What's up, Fathom fam? We're so glad you're here. Just want to give a quick reminder about our Church Center app where you can stay up to date on all of our messages, events, and groups. You can also find us on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. And while you're there, make sure to also request to join our Fathom Family Facebook group where we post daily encouragement and reminders about upcoming events so you won't miss a thing. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Today, I want to kick off a new series called Seasons. Seasons. Uh, The shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. And in these two short words, doesn't feel like it tells us a lot, but it tells us a tremendous amount about grief, about loss. I, I looked over to Jackie earlier this week, and uh, it's been an emotional week for everybody, and said, it's kind of hitting you now, isn't it? She goes, oh yeah, it's hitting me now, um, that this is moving along. All of us, over the past year or two years, we've had moments in which we've had to brace for grief. We've had to deal with loss in our life, the loss of our normal, the loss of employees that worked with you. You've had to embrace a life of having lunch just with the dog at home. You've had a a sense of loss of your vacations, a, a loss of grandparents, parents, maybe children even. We've experienced loss in, in so many different ways in our life. And I think for so many of us, um, we don't acknowledge the reality that we do grieve. We, we don't, either the profound losses or even the very practical, simple losses, we, we don't acknowledge them. And so I just felt like it's important um, in this year of reflection, as we're coming out of a, a difficult year, which we've seen so much loss, even if we've tried to avoid it our very best, Every time we turn on the news, we see a reminder of, of those lives that have been lost. And so I, I want to speak to you today on a message entitled, Grieve Like Jesus. And we're going to be turning to John chapter 11. I've been in John chapter uh, in John a lot lately, and we're going back there. Uh, we were in John chapter 14 and 16 through the Overflow series, and we're back in John 11. Uh, now, as uh, Jesus loses a dear friend of his. He loses a dear friend named Lazarus. And how Jesus walks through this, I think, gives us a real lens of how to grieve in our life, both the practical and the profound losses in our own life. Uh, This is, just for context sake, this is the seventh of of the signs that John has a very kind of orchestrated way that he lays out his gospel, highlighting uh, Jesus' power to do all things. And uh, he also has these number of statements that's a theme throughout his gospel. Uh, what are we known, uh, known as I am statements where Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. Here we'll see that Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life. And so it's about 45 verses there in John chapter 11. So I'm going to invite you to read the whole thing uh, later this week, maybe in a devotional. Everybody said amen. amen. All right, I at least got some amens this morning. Um, uh, and so I kind of want to just work through this and work from the middle. I'm going to go back to the beginning and then kind of jump to the end as we reflect on how to grieve like Jesus. Uh, when Jesus saw her uh, weeping 
And the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He's talking about Martha here. He, uh, or Mary at this point. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Jesus is moved by Mary's weeping. And he said, where have you laid him? Speaking of Lazarus. And they said to him, Lord, come, come and see. Verse 35 says that Jesus wept. If you've ever had trouble with scripture memory, this is a good one to start with. Jesus wept. And like I said, it doesn't tell us a lot, but I think as we begin to dig into this and understand the, the depth of the story, we're going to see it. it actually says a, a ton about Jesus. I think first of all, Jesus teaches us how to grieve and that we need to make room. We need to make space for grief and loss. I've, I've lost two grandparents in the past six months. I lost um, my granddad to COVID right before Thanksgiving, a very quick loss we weren't expecting. Uh, two weeks ago, we, we just had my, my, uh, my grandmother's uh, different, my, my dad's side, my mom's dad, my dad's mom. Um, uh, we just uh, be, uh, had a service for her yesterday as she battled stage four Alzheimer's for many years. Some of you have wa- watched family members go through both of these things, friends go through both of these. And here, uh, uh, far hours away from them, I've, I've, I've realized that I, I just push along with life. Life just keeps happening. And oftentimes we just kind of sweep our emotions under the rug in order to deal with all the arrangements, in order to just kind of hold things together. Or frankly, because many of us, we actually don't know how to. We, we actually don't know how to grieve. We actually don't know if we should grieve. We feel like the right thing to do is actually put on the brave face because that's what everybody wants. Nobody wants to see us crying. But the reality is Jesus teaches us that we need to make space. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, for there's a season, for, for everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down and time to build up, time to weep and a time to laugh, time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and time to refrain from embracing, time to seek and a time to lose and a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And I just want to encourage each of us today, there is a time and a season and we must make space to grieve. As I realize when I get to, I've gotten to both of these funerals for my grandparents, I realize I haven't really given myself time to grieve. And I think that's the first thing that we need to understand is we need to give ourselves time to grieve. Actually, to slow down, if we, if we um, look throughout the, uh, the scriptures and we, we begin to, to, to see as uh, when it was with Moses, um, when it was with Aaron, when it was with Jacob, they said, and they mourned and they wept for 30 days, for 30 days, for seven days. Even for Saul, uh, Samuel, you know, he, he just hated him. But David even set aside a time to grieve Saul. It was short. It wasn't 30 days. He's like, but I'm actually going to grieve this. I'm actually going to grieve uh, this loss. And so many times we're just moving through life and we just don't, we actually don't deal with our, our grief and our, and our loss. The reality is that we all grieve differently. Some of us, we, and, and grief uh, counselors, um, they say we have like 
high energy responses and low energy responses in our grief, right? High energy uh, of anxiety, low energy of depression. High energy of cleaning the house and doing projects around the house. And low energy of laying on the couch and not doing a thing. Have you ever found yourself in one of those places as you're grieving? Probably both. Uh, Last year, as, as we were all experiencing what we were experiencing as a world, we found ourselves in high energy responses and low energy responses. We all respond in different ways. Even in the scriptures, we see that Mary and Martha responded in very different ways. Mary, or, uh, Mary stayed at home uh, when she heard the news and she wept and she mourned from home. Uh, Martha ran out to meet Jesus and she began to confront Jesus in her frustration. She said, Jesus, if you had just been here, if you had just been here, we'll look at that uh, more here in just a few minutes, but she's expressing her anger and her frustration to Jesus. Mary just stayed home, which was the right response. We just grieve differently. We go through the process differently, but we must give ourselves time to grieve. Grieve the loss of a friend. Grieve We'll see them abroad. We'll just talk to them on the phone or through text message. We'll grieve what we are, are losing. I, I remember uh, when Taryn and I were dating, she had uh, a little Jack Russell Terrier, and she'll remember this day, um, that Ash was his, it was a boy named Ashley, and, and, uh, and Ash um, is what they called him. One day he was playing in the yard and he ran out and the mailman was there. And y'all know that's a bad recipe when the dog's outside and the mailman's there. Well, Ash ran out into the road and the, you know, the mailman's just trying to survive here. He doesn't want to get bit. This is like the bane of their existence is a dog running up to them. And, um, and the dog almost gets hit by a car and just loses it. Like you think you've seen her cry. This was a moment. And I'm just looking at her like, the dog's alive. <laughs> like, the dog never got hit. It was the fact that he almost got hit. Of just bracing for that. Our bodies are so wild in how they brace for grief. You need to focus on the grief. And so if you find yourself in those places, it's normal. But small things and even the, the larger things, uh, the profound things, we need to learn to be emotionally available. We need to actually be available. This is a, differ, a difficult thing for so many of us on the regular, let alone uh, when we're grieving. Um, and, and Jesus saw this grief in, in, in Mary and it prompted him to grieve himself. Jesus knew not to weep because he knew he was going to raise him up again, but he grieved because of, of the moment. He showed us that we should learn to grieve as well. Uh, we need to learn to be uh, not only emotionally available, but mentally present. A lot of times we just make, uh, just kind of go on with life and we just kind of put everything under there and we're no longer present. We're, we're just kind of shoving it away and we haven't really green, grieved these losses. And we, we're just, we're not, we're just like, I'm just going to go through life. I'm not actually going to deal with it. And then um, we're not, we're not locked in uh, mentally. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be a process. But we've got to do our best to be mentally present. And then finally, spiritually engaged. In the scriptures, when they would uh, mourn and fast, they always went together. They would, they would weep and they mourn. They'd tear their clothes. They'd put uh, ash cloths uh, or ash on, on their body just to show that they're mourning. But they fasted during this time. It was a time to be spiritually engaged. And for so many of us, when we're mourning losses, Oh, we're, we're no longer spiritually engaged. When that's when really, we, it's a time actually to draw us closer. It's always beautiful in times of loss when people actually draw closer to God. Because this is the opportunity that waits at our door when we're grieving both the practical and profound losses of life. 
It's an opportunity for God to fill the space that's left there. For God's grace to show up in profound ways in our life. And so we must pursue and choose to be spiritually engaged. We must choose to be mentally um, uh, present and emotionally available as much as we're, we're t- available in this process. We're in this journey together. The second thing I think that we see in John chapter 11 is to trust God's timing for God's glory. Um, when I was 19 years old, I had uh, been, I was a chaplain for a, a college ministry of about 90 folks, and we were on a mission tour to the Bahamas. And um, that day, our, um, he was really like a spiritual father to us, our director. We were in the airport traveling, and he looked over to a few of us, and he goes, I could sure use a new body today, right? Anybody in their past their sick day? Um, yeah. He looked to us that, and we didn't think anything of it uh, in the Bahamas. And, and uh, Doc Horton walked by us, and uh, he said, I'll see you guys. I'll see you guys soon. And um, um, said, sleep well or something like that. And he walked out the door and had a massive heart attack, looked up and said, wow. I was a 19-year-old leading, you know, all these people through um, the death of our spiritual father uh, in a country where we're not close to anybody. And I questioned God's timing, like what in the world as I laid over his body and sat over his body trying to revive it and taking my own shirt to wipe the blood from his, his lips. Um, that's an image that I, I don't care to, to give you, but to mean for him to be revived in that very moment, I questioned God, where are you? I mean, but I think John chapter 11 gives us a window into how God sees this, how Jesus sees this. Verse three of, of chapter 11 says, so the sisters sent to him, uh, this is Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they're, they're three siblings that Jesus loves. I don't, I don't ever want you to miss that. that. This is not one of my main points, but I don't want you to miss this. Jesus' love for each one of them and for who you lose and those that, and you specifically and personally, don't ever forget that he loves you, even in the midst of suffering, even in the middle of loss, he loves you. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So this is, this is a loaded statement because as we're going to read through the text, we're going to find out Jesus said, this illness does not lead to death. The reality is Lazarus is already dead. And he's going to describe that to the disciples in just a minute. And they're like, yeah, he's sleeping. Like, he'll wake up soon, Jesus. And he's like, no, like he's dead, like super dead, dead. Like he's dead. And he's trying to break it down for them to help them understand this. But he says that it's going to lead, it's going to lead for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. I want you to know that God pulls all these things together for the good of those that love him and he, for his for his glory. And, and it's difficult for us to understand that. But in this moment, Jesus was saying, actually, for them personally, it was going to result because Jesus knew he was going to raise him up in the third day. He, or not the third day, the fourth day, actually. He knew he was going to raise him up. And what was going to happen through that? Their faith would grow. Their faith would expand as they saw Jesus literally resurrect a dead man who was dead four days. That will grow your faith, you think? You think, as you walk through a loss and season in which you thought, I can't live without this person. I can't, I don't know how I'm going to, I've heard people say, like, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to survive without Jackie and Kenny. And I think that as much as anybody, like, are you kidding me? 
Her dad thinks the same thing. <laughs> I sit in here. But what we learn is we learn that we rely upon the Lord. And it's for the glory of God. Even in these moments, uh, we realize that it's, it's for his glory and we trust in his time and how he, how he lifts us and carries us through these moments. It becomes for his glory. The second thing that Jesus was communicating is that this would actually lead to him being arrested and him being crucified and resurrected on the third day. This, this was actually about that. There's so many layers to God's plan. And as I said, to infinity and beyond, like God's providence, God's sovereignty, God's understanding is to infinity and beyond. We cannot fully understand God's plans. We never will. But what we can do is we can trust God's timing for his glory. We should, we should mourn the most um, for those who, um, who we lose who are not in Christ. It's, it's a different type of, of mourning. Paul spoke about this in Romans, I believe it's chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. He says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. Camden says, C-A-M-D-E-N, don't lie. Paul is saying, I don't lie. I'm not lying here. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. You know what he's grieving so badly about? Is Jews that will not believe in Jesus Christ. Because he knows their eternity is in jeopardy. And so it, it grieves his soul. And so we begin to understand that, that Jesus, that the scriptures teach us to grieve differently than the rest of the world. We, we grieve. In fact, when, when Jesus heard this, they said, no, no, he said, no, he's dead. And Jesus said, and I'm glad <laughs> for your sake. I'm glad that he's, because I'm about to do something far greater through that. We can't understand his timing, but we can trust his love for us. We can trust his steady hand and his plan for a life that has never failed us. The third thing that, and final thing as the band comes, I, I want to encourage you today is that we don't grieve like the world does. We grieve with hope. We grieve with hope. Uh, anybody a Jaguars fan? Yeah, yeah. You guys are a little more perky, a little more, a little more willing to raise your hand this morning than you were two weeks ago um, on that question, right? We all feel like winners today because we got number one. We're number one. We're number one last year. The worst season in Jags history. Um, we were, it was like, this is terrible. I don't want to watch anymore. But when we got the first pick, we started grieving with hope. We were like, you know, if they'll just keep on losing. We began to grieve, thinking, oh man, this is exciting because we're going to get the first pick and get this generational talent in Trevor Lawrence. And y'all, y'all be reaching out to the Lawrences. They need a church home too. They're good, good, good Christian <laughs> folks. So he'd probably stick out a little bit in here, but um, hey, you're welcome here, buddy. Um, but we began to grieve with hope because we, we knew, we knew that something better was on its way. We knew that someone better was on its way. Um, in each of our lives. When, when Jesus was talking with Martha, she's like, hey, will you come? Will you come fix this? And, and the reality of, of this is that Jews actually believed that the Spirit hovered over the body for three days. They, they believed the body just kind of hovered there. The, the body was laying there and the Spirit just hovered over and there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Yes, there's a chance that the spirit could go back in and revive the body. This is before all modern science and stuff. There's no scientific or theological evidence of, of that. But knowing that that was their prevailing thought and superstition, if you will, 
Jesus waited four days. He waited four days to know, like, I can raise him up a hundred days. I can raise him up at the end of days. And Jesus says to Martha after she says, hey, you can do this. I believe God. You can still raise him after she's frustrated. She's being honest about her pain, but she says, hey, you can still do it, Jesus. I know. And, and Jesus looks to her. He goes, like, do you believe that? He's like, sis, I'm not just one who resurrects. I am the resurrection and the life. And in grief and in loss that all of us have been through and will go through in our life, I want you to know it's an opportunity to not just to know what God can do for you, but to know who he is. When what you wanted him to do for you, he has not done because of his infinite wisdom and his sovereign plan. She believed he could do it. He, that wasn't it was about. It was about drawing all men to himself, all women to himself. And I just want you to know whatever you've walked through in your life, God is faithful. And he is drawing you to himself in loss. The, the, the gap, the void that is left, he will fill it. He is the resurrection and he is the life. The book of Lamentations is a super depressing book. It's six acrostic poems. Six acrostic poems that are all really depressing. And the, and the third one is, is not much different except there's a glimpse of positivity in it. Just read for just a minute with me before we close. He's made my teeth grind on gravel. He's talking about God. He's made my teeth grind on gravel. Made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. And so I say my endurance has perished. And so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my afflictions and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Not my body. My soul is just bowed down. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Never ceases. Lord, His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And here's where the hymn came from. And great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says, the, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. I know some of us, maybe we've been struggling with hope in our own situations, struggling for the light at the end of the tunnel because things didn't work out like we want or are not going particularly well in the more moment. And we need to remember, we need to get to the place that, that Lamentations chapter three gets and remember his faithfulness, remember his steadfast love. Know that he is calling you to himself and he is our portion. He's all we need. This is essentially what it means to know our identity in Christ. Is to know that he's our portion. That he's the one that provides for us. That, that gives us everything. He's all we need. He is the resurrection and the life. Even when we don't see his hands. Doing what we, we wish. Paul says to the Thessalonians. But we do not want you to be uninformed brothers. For those who are asleep. That you may not. About those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Fathom Church, don't grieve like those that have no hope. We've got great hope in Jesus Christ. And, and you may not be walking through a season of grief right now, but maybe you've walked there. Maybe you will walk there. In fact, I know we all will. But I want you to know, Jesus eventually told them, and he told Martha, hey, your brother's going to rise again. 
And I want you to know he's calling you to himself and he, he wants hope to rise up in you. He wants faith and trust in him and that we live lives for his glory and his renown. And we trust him even when it doesn't make sense to us. We trust him. In these midst of loss and grief, we're, we're drawn to him. And so just a, a few thoughts today on as we, as we wrap up here. What do you do if you're walking through grief right now? And maybe you just need to tuck these away for a future date. Maybe you'll be honest with us today and just say, hey, I, I've never grieved of this loss. I, I, I never really grieved the loss of this job. I, I never really grieved the loss of this sibling or parents. I just kind of been going on and I've got some grief to deal with. We wonder why we're so angry. And I just want to tell you to make space for that grief. Because I found if, if we don't make space for the grief, make space for the loss, we actually begin to lose part of who we are when we don't make space for it. But we, we too, our spirits can rise, our hopes can rise again as we come to know God's work in this. I want to encourage you to practice lament. Practice lament. Present your needs to God and praise God for his faithfulness at all times. He's faithful to us, church. Praise God for faithfulness, his faithfulness at all times. I want to ask you to stand. Maybe you're grieving something right now in this season. Uh, Maybe you're like me and you realize, hey, I, I haven't made time, enough time to grieve and to slow down and really process this. We can write out some of these prayers to God, write out our pains. That's what lament is. Maybe it's a time just to just, just be honest in the next few moments as we worship, as we pray, just present your needs to God. Just come honestly where you're at to Him. But no matter where you're at, let's all just praise God for who He is. We pray with me? Father, I thank You for walking us through the valley of the shadow of death. God, I pray that, that You are teaching our souls through John chapter 11, through this you walking out grief in such a different way that doesn't make sense to our own finite minds, God. How you would just let Lazarus die, a close friend of yours. Because God, you knew there was a greater hope, that a greater plan in place. And God, help us today to trust in you, God, that we all will live, God, and we know when to laugh and cry. We know there's a time to live and die. God, and today we just learn to trust you deeper and deeper as we process transition and loss in our life. And I pray that you would teach us deeply in our souls to worship and praise you and praise you for your faithfulness, no matter the season. In Jesus' holy name, amen, amen. Let's just worship together. Let's worship. If you need prayer, we'll be down here praying with you. We'd love to pray with you. But come on, he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. Let's pray. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday, and there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.